Hey friends, just quickly, my new book, The Proof is in the Plants, is now available. Get it from plantproof.com forward slash book. Thanks so much for all your ongoing support, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I mean, when we started our social media, we never expected it to be our job or make an income from that. It was always the place where we wanted to share our story. And it started just after we met for our families and friends, just so they could follow along through the last few years. We built up a big following and we can just share anything that happens to us. We love taking photos. We loved traveling. We weren't doing anything on Instagram that we didn't want to do in real life. And even now, there is nothing that we're doing on our Instagram that we don't love to do anyway. To look back on it, even, you know, three or four years ago, to look back and see how far we've come uh, through photos, it's just, it's amazing to have that. And we, you know, can't even imagine, say, 50 years time, being able to look back at that and show your grandkids these photos of when you were young and chasing waterfalls and all that. That's Marie Faye and Jake Snow. And this is episode 87 of the Plant Proof Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. It's awesome, it's incredible, amazing to be back here again with you for another episode. For new listeners, welcome. Thank you for joining us. My name is Simon Hill. I'm the host of this show, the Plant Proof Podcast, physiotherapist, nutritionist, and currently writing a book on nutrition with Penguin, which we published in 2020. I'm, I'm glad that you managed to find the show and, and I hope you get something out of today's exchange that helps you become more mindful and conscious of the way that you live. That's what each episode is about, a non-judgmental, non-preachy space to talk together about diet and sit down with inspiring people from all over the world, doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, athletes, people who have overcome chronic disease, and generally speaking, folks that are working hard to create positive change in the world. All right, today's episode is a two-hour exchange with Marie Fay and Jake Snow, a really wonderful and inspiring couple two incredible humans that use social media to promote positive action and change. Funnily enough, we worked out that Jake and Marie, being plant-based, are OG listeners of the Plant Proof podcast, and and I believe some of their family members are too, including Jake's mom and, and stepmom, Jen and Chris. Shout out to, to you guys. You've done a, a great job with Jake. Uh, and then, of course, I couldn't, I couldn't help but feel inspired by what they were doing. So this episode is essentially a, a long time in the making and, and one that I am incredibly grateful took place. Jake and Marie stayed with us in Bondi. So we did the, the coastal walk to Bronte, went to the I Am Someone art exhibition and fundraiser hosted by a good friend of mine, Dara Hayes, or DJ Tiger Lily, who, who most of you will remember from 
a previous episode on this show. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check it out. We had dinner at Eden, of course, uh, our plant-based restaurant in Bondi. Went to a vegan gnocchi place up the road. We pulled tarot cards at, at Orchard Street Cafe. I think Jake pulled the, the phoenix, Marie, the, the whale, and, and I pulled the tiger. And, and really, we just spent a lot of time talking about life. Both Jake and Marie are the type of people who leave you feeling better about yourself after you hang out with them. And to me, that's the best indicator there that you're surrounding yourself with the right people. They genuinely care about their influence. They care about the planet. They care deeply about their families and friends and they're not afraid to express any of this. Even Jake, who is definitely breaking the stereotype of what it means to be masculine. In this episode, we cover bits about their upbringings, how they met, why they live a plant-based lifestyle, their travels, their online community they've built, and plenty more. Time to bring them in. Friends, I'll see you on the other side. Jake Snow, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us. We uh, This is the first time we've ever done a podcast, so a little bit nervous. And one of our favorite ones. <laughs> yeah, with, uh, with one of our most inspiring idols. Oh, thank, thank you for having us, Simon. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Um, we've been chatting all day, though, and, and all night last night, so nothing to be nervous about. <laughs> um, you guys have a very very inspiring story, a, a love story, a story of travel and a story of adventure. But beyond that, some some very deep and meaningful purpose behind what you're doing. So thank you for what you're doing and, and the content that you're putting out there because from my end, that's that's very inspiring. So it's been a little while in the making this episode. We wanted to connect we didn't cross paths about a month or so ago but here we are it's been great to to have you here staying with us and it's a little smoky here in bondi but we got up this morning and eventually once the smoke cleared made the most and and had a nice walk it's been absolutely fantastic yeah we spent some time in bondi three years ago when we first started our journey together we met a bit under four years ago, we did a van road trip and we were sleeping in our van around Bondi, moving from spot to spot. So it brings back some really, really good memories. Yeah. We, I mean, we drove past, right? You were just past, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. up the corner, like literally like 300 meters from here. Yeah. We were just driving past and Maurice just goes, ah, oh, that's the spot we were sleeping. We pulled crazy? on the side of the road. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and, and the smoke I just mentioned, that's also crazy and, and what's happening right now. Across Australia, it's it's pretty frightening, and it's so real when you wake up here in Bondi. You feel like you're so far away from it, and yeah. you're 200 meters from the beach and can't see the water. Something that uh, it's it it's telling. Yeah, you know, we talk about this a lot, and you talk about this a lot, and it's right. You know, at our doorstep now, some of the issues that uh, the world is facing, and these bushfires are just getting worse. We 
just come from the York Peninsula in South Australia where my family has a holiday house and they've got bushfires there now too. And getting extremely close to our holiday home that we've had for 15 years in the family. So it's it's really scary stuff. And, um, you know, it's more important now than ever. And, you know, that's why Marie and I are so passionate about trying to get this message out there and trying to talk about how we can become more sustainable and address these issues and sort of not just put our heads in the sand when it comes to that stuff. Because, you know, it shouldn't take the bushfires being so close and Bondi being smoked out for people to start thinking, mm. maybe we need to change some things. Yeah, yeah it's, it's almost one of those crazy things where it perhaps almost takes an event like this and, and the, the smoke over Bondi to, for some people, to, to go, wow, this, this is not right and, and I need to get take my head out of the sand and, and, and what can I do? Yeah. Even for us this morning or yesterday when we saw it the first time, it hit us and then we started this morning looking it up how big the fire actually is because we mentioned it on our story the other day, but we didn't really know how big the fire was. What do we, we yeah. 1.5 million hectares. Yeah, we were saying like yeah. it's, it's very hard to even to picture in your mind how big that is. We said half of Belgium, right? Yeah, half half of the entire country mm. of Belgium is burning or has been burnt in the last week. And that's just devastating in terms of habitat loss for animals and, and things like that. It's It takes years for the, that bushland to grow back. And so it's very scary. And it's just the start of summer. You know, we, we've all, me and you are from Australia. We know how hot it can get. And we're in November now, so we've still got December and January, February coming up, which can be extremely hot, extremely windy. So, yeah, fingers crossed, you know, the, the weather can turn and we can get some rain and sort of at least stop the fires for now. Yeah. Something that you guys do a lot through your social media and it sort of is an extension of what we're talking about here is making sure that in between your travels, there are there are messages and and stories that are no doubt things that you you, you feel very important to talk about mm-hmm. um, that you you sprinkle through in a way which is inspiring, but it, it helps people in a, in a very approachable way become more conscious about these issues. Is how important is it for you guys with the the reach that you have now and the community that you've built to? be leaders for positive change. So Jake has been plant-based a bit longer than me and that was definitely something that made us aware of a lot of things. And when we started our Instagram account, we would share stories of things we would eat and then we realized there's so many things that are important that we need to talk about, not only for your personal health, but also the environment and animals in that case. And a bit over a year, I think August last year, we decided to have a so-called Do Good Monday where we talk about anything really that we can think of that can somehow um, spread awareness. And we talk about things that are just really, really important in that moment or where we are at that time or just even people message us nowadays and they say, hey, I have really, really personal cause that you could talk about or I'm in Africa right now we could help here with some donations and we always Mm. try to think about things that we can help with and we we feel super strongly about that in the last three years um, we've lived our dream we've traveled the world we've had so much given to us and so we feel like the least we could do 
as influencers, having a big audience is to spread some awareness, have a positive impact on people's lives, have a positive impact on the world in some way. It's the least we can do. And uh, we decided last year to, to put that all together on a Monday. Whenever we wanted to talk about something maybe a bit hard to swallow or something not so positive, um, we'd put it on a Monday because what we found was that if we talk about this thing, uh, you know, something that's difficult to talk about on a daily basis, People have a lot of things going on in their lives and you know we can't tackle all the problems in the world all at once, especially when we're working full-time jobs and you've got kids and you've got so many things to worry about. And then you, we throw on top, hey guys, how about the Amazon rainforest? What are we doing there? How about the, you know, the, the culling of the sharks? How, all of these things. And so what we realized is that we, if we put it all to one day, people will expect it on that day. And if they're not feeling up to it, maybe they don't want to know about something because they're not feeling ready for it on that day. They can just tune out. But then people know what's coming on a Monday that they might, they might hear about something that um, you know, they could maybe change or maybe help with or maybe donate to, anything like that. But with social media, it is, it's a positive space. Um, people go there for inspiration. They go there for um, motivation and they don't necessarily want to see too much negativity. So what we do is, yeah, we sprinkle it in positivity, love, travel, all the good stuff. And then every now and again, a little, hey, guys, did you know about this? Or, you know, we should really be helping out with this or something like that. And we found that that's, that's the best way to do it. You don't, don't push it too hard. Just, you know, throw it out there. Some people will go like, wow, I never knew that. Um, I'm going to change today. Or, you know, oh my God, thank you so much. This is something that I really care about. I'm going to donate to this cause. In the beginning, it was hard, wasn't it? Well, I think everyone liked it from the beginning. We just yeah. didn't think that Wait, maybe. When you say it was hard, you mean, I guess, challenging because you want to speak so vocally about things mm -hmm. and yeah. you were having to be aware that, you know, perhaps some some of your community, they're, they're going through their own struggles like you just spoke about. Yeah. And they've got, you know, lots of challenges in their own life. How how can you send them a good message without making them feel bad? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And in a non-judgmental way as well, like when it comes to diet especially, you know, we're not out here to shame anybody about what they eat. We just want to give them the information to make some choices for themselves if they hadn't heard of it before. And uh, also, you know, in the beginning, the content that works well is travel, it's positivity, it's love. That's what works well. And that's what was growing our business. And, you know, maybe talking about these things regularly might have been impacting and people might have been going, oh, I don't want to follow that. But now we've worked our way up to a point by sticking to what we really believe in that people expect it from us now, which is great because now our followers are waiting for Do Good Monday. They're saying, what's going to be next? You know, what are they going to talk about this week that can maybe give me some more insight into an issue? So it's, yeah, we're in a really great spot now because we've stayed true to who we are. We've been that way the whole way through. And now we can really be ourselves. And that's the content that works. Yeah. That's something that you guys have, that I can see firsthand that you have not even trying to do very well. You just do it very well is that your persona and who you are through your online and, and, and who you, you show yourself as to your community is exactly the same as how you are in real life. That's, that's the best thing about it, I think, because, I mean, when we started our social media, we never expected, expected it to be our job or make an income from that. 
So um, it was always a place where we wanted to share our story. And it started just after we met for our families and friends, just so they could follow along. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we never played a role or decided to be different online than we are now. And through the last few years, people just followed along and we built up a big following and we can just share anything that happens to us and don't have to. Mm pretend like social media and especially if you're online all the time it can be very toxic if you're presenting yourself as someone that you're not it, it would after a while it would really wear you down and marie and i we never had any intentions of like marie said making a living out of it so it was it was pure it was we just wanted to share our story and our for our friends and family we loved taking photos we loved traveling and so we we weren't doing anything on Instagram that we didn't want to do in real life. And even now, there's nothing that we're doing on our Instagram that we don't love to do anyway. And if Instagram went away tomorrow, mm. we would continue to do the exact same thing. Travel, enjoy ourselves, speak about things we care about and take photos and take videos because all of these memories that we're creating to capture that, is, it's a, a passion that we've created since we met that to look back on it, even you know, three or four years ago, to look back and see how far we've come uh, through photos is just—it's it, amazing to have that. And we, you know, can't even imagine, say, fifty years time, being able to look back at that or flick through your like holographic device or yeah. whatever we have then, <laughs> and show your grandkids these photos of when you were young and chasing waterfalls and all that. So I also think unknowingly we we did the right thing because we just share everything, and that's what people like. People like to see that. Things are going wrong for us. We're missing mm. flights. We're booking wrong flights. Yeah. We're losing things because it's real and mm. that's what they appreciate. And that vulnerability mm-hmm. of not, you know, not being perfect. Not, not being perfect. Yeah. That rawness is what people connect with. And then, you know, quite clearly as as they are getting to know you over the years as a couple, right? Then when you're talking about these important issues that we're we're mentioning now, it might be the first time that they have heard people that they they really look up to talk about these important issues because quite often you hear a politician or, or a doctor talk about diet or whatnot, but yeah, it's a different connection, mm. yeah. which is a really, really cool thing that, that I see from, from the outside that people look at you guys from an aspirational point of view and also just be able to relate to you, which makes, makes these topics and, and what you're speaking about so much more meaningful. I feel like because we are so normal, that's what we hear all the time when we do meetups. People say, oh, you're so normal. That makes them relate to us so much more. And you build up trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For three years now, we've been sharing our life and our story online almost every day. It's always been sincere. We we do really want to help people and give them information that's going to inspire them and maybe help them make positive change every day after a while that just builds up trust so like you said if a doctor says something you might you you don't really know that person but we feel like our followers yeah they they truly know us because that's who we really are when we're sharing that stuff the funny thing is we we have had a couple messages every now and again and say do you guys ever fight or like it seems like you have the perfect relationship you must never fight and we say that of course not like we we fight like every other couple we have differences in opinion and things like that but the last thing you're thinking of when you're in an argument or a debate or you're, you know, discussing something where you have difference in opinion is to get the phone out and record it. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
you know, you're not recording your fights and people don't necessarily want to see that, but they love it when you say, hey, we, do we have. have fights. Mm. Um, we're human. Enjoy seeing it. <laughs> they, they might enjoy seeing it. Maybe we need to record our next fight. Or something. <laughs> Could be interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my eyes open for that. <laughs> so th- we're, we're talking sort of present day now and, and, and the content that you're uploading and, and the community that you've built. Let's wind things back. Mm-hmm. Jake, you mentioned before your your fellow Australian, um, <laughs> big into your football like me. Mm-hmm. What was your life like as a as a kid? How would you describe five, ten year old Jake and and who he was and what his family life was like? Very uh, traditional Australian, I would say. I I have two brothers and two stepbrothers, and we grew up on a farm with my two brothers and then my my parents were divorced so we lived a little bit with our stepbrothers as well always sport sport was like the number one cricket football tennis golf whatever it was we were always uh, competitive with my brothers and we just grew up very you know it was we great parenting i think but our parents um because mum worked a lot and she was a single mum and dad was working a lot as well doing what they could we were sort of left to our own devices a lot and you know our parents would say outside get outside they'd lock the door and then we just you know play around and do our thing outside and we so we we were not very fussy we made fun of everything that we could normal traditional farming life which if you see what we're doing now you wouldn't believe it at all you know the way the diet that we choose and the life that I live you know being digital nomads or anything like that i was destined to you know maybe become a a farmer or a uh, you know something like that but growing up I ended up going to um, public school in Birdwood in South Australia and then mum sent me to a private school with hopes that I'd become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that <laughs> and playing a lot of football a lot of football so the, in the football culture you know going on footy trips and you know being really close with my mates and and being very competitive yeah just very Aussie very Aussie small town Australian background yeah what kind of uh farming was, was so farm? yeah sheep and cattle and wheat as well and um, we moved from farm to farm actually when mum and dad got divorced i was only five years old my brother was three and my other brother was one so we were living in yadunda which is very country rural south australia we moved we we're renting out farms so we moved from farm to farm and then we moved to our grandparents farm so it was all sheep cattle chickens that kind of thing and um, he had a pet kangaroo. I was wondering. We had a pet kangaroo called Tilly, um, which was, you know, a lot of people think, no way, that's just too stereotypical. But we did have a pet kangaroo. We had a Tilly pet pig. Would, <laughs> Tilly would come and go. and, and it just, Well, Tilly was... Um, in the house, yeah, right? In the house. In the house to begin with. We had like a pouch. That oh, we as a little joey. Her. A little joey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sad thing is we only had Tilly because we shot her mum, which... I think back now, like we used to go spotlighting. We used to catch rabbits in traps and skin them and sell them to grandma and typical chickens. Country, country kid in typical, Australia. Typical, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grew up with it and, you know, it was it was normal for me back then. Now being, you know, vegan and plant-based, it's it, the complete opposite. So I can sympathize with, mm. with anybody really because I, I was the polar opposite. But yeah, we had a, a pet kangaroo and we had a, a pet pig and all of that kind of stuff. I would have never thought, looking back to that, that I would have, you know, maybe found the way through to a plant-based diet. 
when you when you do look back at uh, you know as yourself as a kid and and hunting and living on a farm can you sort of pinpoint you know why it is do you think that as kids we are unable to sort of draw that connection between what we're doing and and suffering and and the compassion side of things yeah i think when we're really young 2 3 4 it's in our nature to be kind to animals we would never want to harm an animal i don't think at that age it's we love animals as kids all kids love animals and you you read books and you see the animals and everyone loves them all the kids love them but i think getting you know 5 6 7 8 that's when your parents and what's around you start to really you know impress onto you and it just becomes normal I, you know mum and dad do it or you know my grandparents do it so so it's normal and then you it really starts to become a thing that you want to impress them as well i think so i i always remember wanting to impress my stepdad and he was a farmer so i would like you know want to be farmer jake and, and do do all the things that he was doing so you're a big boy. I'm a big, yeah. And I could take over the farm. I could, you know, I could do that. So I was w- wanting to show my parents and that, that I, you know, could handle it. So I think that's what, you know, skinning rabbits and selling them to grandma for two bucks, for example, grandma and grandpa would always be so proud when we'd bring back these rabbits. And so it was just the way our families were before us that, you know, starts to condition you to think that way from, you know, as you're growing up. And then you know, and then you find a way to sort of condition yourself out of that. But my parents, my mom always did say that I, she called me a greenie. I was out of all of my brothers, I was the one who preferred not to do that kind of stuff like spotlighting. I didn't enjoy it as much as the others going out with the spotlight and shooting kangaroos and stuff like that. I didn't enjoy it as much. There was some sort of little seed planted. There was a bit of a seed maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But my, just waiting. My brothers, both of them now are you know, 90% plant-based and one's vegan as well. So it's, we've all found the, the lifestyle. And I think th- through me maybe kicking it off, but then those guys as well have, have seen, you know, I suppose the, seen that the impact it can have on your life and your conscience. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's nice to hear that, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you grew up, what, what part industry you've been a part of. You know, what you're talking about is not inflicting pain on purpose it's just being part it's it's the normal because of beliefs instilled by society and it's 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 never too late to to make a change and and people don't need to feel guilty because we you know we're essentially this product of an environment where everything a, a lot of things are hidden from us yeah marie yes now i'd say that if any of the listeners are not familiar with your content which probably is very few, um, they would notice that you have a beautiful accent. Yeah, I'm from Germany. From Germany, from Dusseldorf. From Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Did I get that right? Yeah, pretty good. Okay, and how do you say good afternoon again? Guten Nachmittag. Okay, I prefer good than Morgan. <laughs> it's a bit easier. <laughs> I was going to teach you to something to say. I have to think about something. For Maybe at the end. Podcast. Yeah. Yep. So now before I before we sort of jump into how you guys met, I'd love to hear from you on what your upbringing was like in, in mm. Germany. What was life like for you as a kid? Well, actually, I have to start with Spain because just after I was born, I think I was three weeks old, my family moved to Madrid in Spain. My dad was working for a German bank and got an offer for Spain for three and a half years. So my family decided to move over. 
um, my mom was still young. I think she was 27 when she had me. And I think in Europe, Spain is one of the countries where tradition means food. And that's how I grew up. I remember eating my first calamari and shrimps when I was under a year old, I think. And my family loved it. I loved food. I was a really big baby. And um, I think I was big until I was three or four for sure. I loved food. That was my passion. It still is, but in a different way. But yeah, eating manchegos, or, um, Spanish teas and serrano um, sausage, that was, that was it. Yeah, I loved it. I, I grew up. Um, I'm the oldest one, so I was by myself three years before my sister was born. And in Spain, we did a lot of yeah trips. And my mom was there; she didn't work at that time, so I was home with my mom a lot and pretty much ate. Mm. So you have, some, you have some good memories from Spain. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of videos because my parents always filmed me. I was in front of the camera a lot actually when I was younger to send over to my grandparents and my um, cousins and aunties and everyone. And then after Spain? I moved back to Germany, to Düsseldorf, well, a village close to Düsseldorf. And that's where I grew up and lived until, yeah, pretty much until I quit my job and then met Jake in Asia. Wow. Yeah. And I'm guessing in Germany, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Bratwurst and, oh. and probably the Frankfurt. Frankfurter Wurst, yeah. yeah. Were um, uh, fairly popular. Yeah. We, we had a lot of barbecues in the summer, a lot of meat fish and then of course like a bit of salad by side but yeah and growing up in in germany what were your sort of interests and hobbies what what did you <laughs> what did you enjoy to do with your time as a, as a girl and 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 perhaps what did you ever sort of look forward and and think about what you may do one day as a woman actually it's funny because you probably won't guess what I was doing as my hobby, but I played basketball for eight years. I even went to the US when I was 16 and played there for a year. So I was really into that. And then just um, a lot of socializing with my friends. But I always wanted to become a teacher actually when I was younger, which didn't happen. But now we're kind of teaching people online. So I still get, get that a bit, which is good. Mm. And I never liked speaking English, I must say, until I went overseas to the US to play basketball. And that's when I learned English and um, came back and was really, I went to boarding school. I was really, it was strict. So afterwards I had really good grades. I was really into studying. I really appreciated it being home. And yeah, that was good. And so sort of shortly after that, was that when you started traveling the world before you met Jake or how did all that sort of unfold? Oh, that was crazy. Um, after school, I started a dual education in Germany. It's becoming very popular to start with your job and go to private uni, which your company pays for. So I studied business administration in 2009 and then did that for four years. And I worked for the company. It's a fashion, big fashion company in Düsseldorf in management and then in the end in buying, so buying the new clothes for the next season, which I wanted to do when I finished school. That was my dream. And I did that for a couple of years and then I turned 24, 25. And that's when I realized, well, a couple of things happened in my family. My dad got really sick in 2009. He had cancer and a lot of things changed for us and it was a really rough time. And in 2016 was a period where I wasn't feeling great at all mentally and physically just in general and that's when I realized I, I needed a change 
and I wanted to move overseas back to Spain and practice my Spanish again and do my master in Barcelona. That was my plan. But before I wanted to do that, I was like, let's travel because I'd never the time to travel at six weeks, which I was going to spend in Asia with a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine. And the first place we went to was Thailand. And after a few days, I met Jake. And that changed my entire plan to move to Spain. And that's where our crazy You must, you must look started. back now and be very thankful that you decided to take a six-week Oh, yeah. Break. Yeah. But in the beginning, everyone thought I was crazy. Yeah. They're like, what are you doing? You just quit your job. You wanted to move to Barcelona. And now you don't, don't do that. What's, who is that Aussie guy with the long hair? No one had met him. <laughs> A lot of a lot of people, when they hear our story, they think you know it's absolute fairy tale, and and we met each other at the perfect moment and things like that. But actually, it was it was a very we were both in a very difficult time, and yeah. so Marie's dad had passed away eighteen months before we met, yeah. and it was the first time that Marie had travelled overseas or even you know starting to feel good in life in general. And so before that, you were sort of supporting your mum back home yeah and I was working so I feel it's a very very hard topic but um I feel like when when you lose someone who's very close to you there's certain ways to cope with it and for me it was I went into work so I would work every day as much as I could I lived at home first but then I moved back into my apartment which wasn't far away from my mom but it was a really really tough tough time and I just had a new job I got a new job so I wanted to do a good job and after Christmas, I realized that I'm close to burning out because mm. I didn't give myself time to actually realize what had happened. And I started working with a life coach and she kind of helped me to realize that I needed to find myself again and needed to find out what was good for me. And even though I like my job, I realized I need to get out of here. I need to do something. Change your environment. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are in Thailand. Yeah. Fate happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you say, but you just said then it, it wasn't, you know, a typical fairy tale story in that both of you were going through some things. So mm. at your end, you know, what, what had you been experiencing? For me, I was playing football my entire childhood and then I got a really bad injury. I had osteitis pubis chronic and just in my, when I was 18, so in the draft year, when I was like looking at maybe playing AFL or at least league football, got osteitis pubis and it was just debilitating. It really knocked me and I'd spent eight months in uh, rehab, came back and the first game back, it flared up. And then I thought, nah, I'm out of here. So then I went traveling, <laughs> went to Canada for six months and then was, ended up being in Canada for two and a half years. And that period of time was just extremely unhealthy, pole opposite to what we're doing now with you know the way we live and the way we look at life. A lot of partying, drinking, you know, experimenting, and it just was not healthy at all. My diet was horrible. And I was going through a lot of that and traveling and partying and just in this, in this circle of um, working for the weekend, working hard at the winery and then traveling and then just drinking a lot. And I got to a point where I was like, this is just not good for me. I was, mentally, I started to feel like I had you know, no purpose and I'm like, where am I going and, and that kind of thing. And then six months before I met Marie, I, I was in Canada and I, I'm like, I'm going home. And I flew back to Australia, moved in with dad and my stepmom and just sort of locked myself away. And it, I think a few days after, 
I was like, I need a change. And then I, I decided to go whole plant-based. And then the six months leading up to Marie was a really good period for me. And I really started to focus on what was important in life, become healthier. And I think if I hadn't had that six months before I met Marie, I would have not been the guy that would have deserved her at all. I would have been partying and sort of not understanding of what's important. And so that six months was like a lead up. And then we sort of met on the beach. We were having some drinks. And I think when I saw Marie, all of a sudden, after a day, even just these emotions I was having, I'd never felt before. Jake never had a girlfriend. Never had a girlfriend before. My dad was, (laughs) I still remember when I was 16, early days, because my parents were divorced and my dad, you know, told me about the mistakes he'd made and that if he could give any advice, it would be to go out, travel, experience, be with girls, play sport, do whatever it is, party. Get it out of your system. Get it out. You just enjoy it, you know, experience life so that when you meet the right person, there's nothing that you wish you'd done. And so now uh, at this time, 24 years old, never had a girlfriend, took dad's advice literally and experienced as much as I possibly could. <laughs> I'd met Marie and I was, I, I was ready. It was, a, it was a beautiful time because I, it's always hard um, to explain to people like, you know, how do you know it's love or how do you know it's the one? And the only way I, I can explain it is just that I'd never felt that way before. But I was willing to do things that I would have never done before purely because of my ego, or my pride, or I, you know, I wouldn't travel back and forth to Australia to see a girl. I wouldn't tell my football coach that I couldn't play football because I was traveling to Indonesia to see a girl that I was in love with. I literally said that to my football coach and it, it and it was just Griffo. Thanks Griffo. Yeah. Thanks Griffo. Yeah, I'm not sure if he'll be listening, but, um, but on his blessing, you, you went back. His blessing. He said that I was stupid and he laughed at me, <laughs> but he, I think he was shocked that I was so open that I was in love and I couldn't play and I needed to go and see her. Mm. I must say for a guy that hadn't had any previous girlfriends, you are incredibly gifted at speaking about your emotions. It's, it, yeah. It took, yes. it took some working up because in the beginning, um, I was... Especially when we started our Instagram. Marie like cracked me open. I, I, that's, she really cracked me open. I was hardened. I would, you know, when you're, you're having relationships with people and it's a bit of a game and you always want to be in control. You want to be the one that's controlling the flow of the relationship. And Marie, when I met Marie, I didn't care anymore. I was like, I don't care if, she, if whatever, she breaks my heart or anything, I'm going to be completely open and honest. And she even said to me, four or five days in after meeting. And this is very German. And I've learned that now. She just said to me, do you want this? Because I'm not playing any games. Are you in or are you out? And for the first time in my life, I was like forced to make a decision and be like, Sounds very am I? No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. <Jack. laughs> but, you know, I was instantly, I was like, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, not mucking around. She's not messing around. <laughs> I'm not going to mess around. And then it was, you know, after three weeks, we I, were. I only had six weeks in Asia, and I wasn't going to spend time on someone who didn't want me. So I was like, Are you know, knows <laughs> what she wants. Yeah, but it was, yeah, it was never felt that way before. Did some extremely silly things to to make it work. I, I got a tattoo of um, an M and a J on my arm 
you know, for Marie three weeks after meeting her. And <laughs> that's a funny story. But I, after I left Marie in Asia and I flew back to Australia. This was after you guys met in Thailand. We met in Thailand. Yep. So then you went back to Australia for, for football. But for, before that, we met in Thailand and then um, we spent four days together. And then I was flying to Cambodia with my mate and Marie was flying to Vietnam. That was hard. That was hard. That was really hard. As, as soon as I was going away on the ferry and leaving Marie, I just thought to myself, what are you doing? Like this, this, you could be losing the best thing that ever happened to you. And so we were messaging. Marie's like, we're going to Vietnam. And then I started, it started to go over my head. I'm like, there's no way I'm leaving Asia without seeing her again. And so me and my mate landed in Cambodia. And I, first thing I said to him was, I'm going to Vietnam. Are you in or are you out? You know, we're either going together or I'm going to go anyway. And, uh, and he said, well, <laughs> righto, let's do it then. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so we... Good booked, luck. We, good yeah, luck. absolutely good luck. Thanks, Trent. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we, we booked the bus and it, it got worse than that. We booked the bus and we've figured out you need visas for Vietnam and it takes two weeks sometimes to, to get the visa. We met a local guy who said, oh, I can get you the visas. Just give me your passports and 200 bucks US and, uh, and I'll go and get it. I'll go and get it from the embassy for you. And I said, oh, beautiful. I'll come with you. And, and he said, no, no, no. It'd be quicker if I do it by myself. Huh. And my mate Trent was like, no way. You, you, there's no way I'm giving this guy my passport. At this time, I had two passports. I have an Aussie and a British. So I was like, yeah, take it. No worries. But Trent only Poor Trent. <laughs> could have got stuck there. He could have got stuck. <laughs> but I looked into this, this local guy's eyes and I said, I, I trusted him. I was like, no, no, I could see it. He's going to get it back. And then it's nice that that trust still exists. Yeah. I think that was, that was fate as well. I was just, he came back 10 minutes before the bus was about to arrive with visas in the passports and we jumped on the, on the bus and six hour drive into Vietnam and we got off the bus, got our big backpacks, jumped on some scooters of some local guys, whipped around Ho Chi Minh streets. They dropped us off at the hotel. And as we arrived, Marie and her friend Sophia were just were walking to the doors of the hotel. We arrived at exactly the same time. It was just it, you know, you couldn't even write that stuff. But then we had the best we had a really good two weeks. And that's when we really started to connect, but we'd still never spent any time alone together yeah, yeah but, but then, at that time that was the time where i was like okay i'm not going i'm probably not gonna go to Barcelona anymore or if so jake will come with so you were going you were intending to head back to barcelona to start your masters yeah right yeah okay but during this and two weeks say well marie had already paid a deposit for it so i think it was like three thousand euros or something yeah, four thousand yeah so it was forfeit that Mm-hmm. to keep hanging out with this long-haired Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> At that time, I was going back and forth. So I cancelled the apartment that I had organised and I said, look, I might not be coming. I'm sorry. And I was thinking, okay, maybe I can still organise something last second if I still decide to go. And then the plan was to meet in six weeks because Jake was going back to play football and I still had four weeks left and we were going to Indonesia. And at that time, I was I, I became really sick. My friend was saying love sick because Jake had left. And yeah, I was in contact with Jake. And after a few days, he's like, Marie, I've talked to my coach and my boss. I'm coming over if that's okay. So then he came over after seven days, flew to Bali, spend another two weeks with us and that's when I decided okay 
I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to study it. You, you must have felt pretty special with him following you to yeah. Vietnam was the first. Yeah, Vietnam and following yeah. you to Indonesia. That definitely and also yeah. prioritizing you over football. Yeah. Mm. So he he did those <laughs> steps, and I was like, okay, I'll quit my master then. Yeah, and it, it was actually the the third time. So I flew back to Australia, and then I flew back to Lombok for a third time to see her for four more days. That's when I got the tattoo. And then that's when we planned that's to we book the flights to the US. Yeah. And getting the tattoo, as soon as I got it, I thought to myself, she's either going to think I'm a psychopath or the most romantic guy in the world. And thankfully, she thought it was romantic. And, and I think after that, we sort of sealed the deal. And then we, the rest is history. We planned out a big America and South America trip, which we did together for three months, mm-hmm. lived together, traveled together took photos the whole way and then... And you guys were, you know, you were very much backpacking, right? Like oh, around At this stage, yeah. backpacking around on a budget. Yeah. We, we had a very tight budget. Yeah, we... I still had my uni money that I could spend. So I had a bit of a budget, but... A bit of a kitty. Still, yeah, it was a bit of a kitty. Well, last money. Yeah, it did. Because I'd finished a, a vintage at the winery as well. So what, yeah, what we were really lucky to have was a little bit banked up, yeah. which then allowed us to say, let's go and travel for three months together. Because yeah. if we didn't have that, then we would have had to make some hard decisions and be like, who's going to move where? Who's yeah. moving where? Yeah. I don't have enough money to travel. So do you want to come back to Australia? And maybe that could have been a, a difficult point, but we're really lucky that we could able, were able to do that. And, uh, I think it helped that we were traveling and didn't have to go either to Germany. Yeah. Australia. Keep exploring and, yeah. and at the same time, get to know each other. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, so you mentioned the, the vintages you were working at a vineyard. Mm-hmm. And and you were using that to to obviously work some long hours and and save up some money and do your your travels, right? You guys then both ended up on a vineyard working together. Yeah, which was lucky because okay, so vintage work is pretty much the high season of grapes coming in to then produce wine, and they always look for people that can help out during that time because it's a very busy time. Jake had been doing that for, I think, three vintages in South Australia before. And he told me about it and how much money you could earn in a short period of time. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try, I'll apply. But because I didn't have any experience in the first place, they said, no, sorry, we don't have a job for you. So that was the point. We were in Mexico at that time where we were like, what are we going to do now? I, I actually contacted my boss at that point and I said, if Marie doesn't have a job, I'm not coming back. And so <laughs> yeah. I, I, put it on, I put it on to him and I said, I'm not coming back unless she gets a job. And then he said, okay, okay, let me see what we can do. And then a couple of weeks later, they said someone's dropped out and she's okay. got a job. Yeah. So what sort of experience were they looking for? And, like, and, and what did a day look like in yeah. terms of actual <laughs> labor and tasks? The funny, the, this, I'll just paint a picture to begin with because Marie's from fashion and from business management. And first day on the job, she's wearing steel cap boots a yellow hard hat and high vis, you know, in all way too big, <laughs> all way too big. She looks so cute and just so out of place. And your credit to her, she was like willing to give it a go. And because at that point, we'd only known each other for four months. Yeah. And that to me, being an Aussie guy who, you know, I wasn't looking for a princess, you know, who, I, you know, wanted a partner who would travel with me and free dive and do all that kind of stuff. And she proved to me during that vintage that she was a hard worker and not, you know, not, afraid to get her hands dirty and stuff like that because it this hard work we we worked 72 hour weeks on night shift 7 p.m to 7 a.m yeah and uh, i was working in the yeast area so i would 
make recipes. They would tell me what kind of wine we were producing, let's say Shiraz, and then they were saying, okay, we need this kind of yeast, build it. So I would prepare it in buckets, put it in a tank, let it grow, and then send it to the different juice tanks, and then it would produce wine, and then I would add some whatever it was, sugar or any kind of chemicals that you don't want to know what's all in the wine. But it, yeah, a lot of things get added. And then, yeah, it would it was sent to you pretty much. You yeah. did the filtering process. And I did the filtering. And so it's, you know, it was a, a really cool job to have. But the, the best part about it for us was that it allowed us to work super hard for three or four months, save up a good amount of money. And, it, you know, in, in Australia, the wages are very good. Very good. And so, you know, you're looking at $32 an hour to work at a winery with no experience. And then you're working 72 hours with weekend pay and overtime, and it starts to add up really quick. And the whole time, that, that three or four months that we're working 12 hour shifts, Marie and I are just scheming, you know, what are the next eight months going to look like? Where are we going to travel to? What photos are we going to take? We make mood boards. That would have made it a lot easier. Oh, so, so much easier because we had an end point. We knew when we were getting out, we, we would even book flights in advance. And so Marie and I did that for two years. And our game plan... Last year even. Yeah, yeah, we finished last year in May. It was the last time we left the winery. But our game plan when we were doing that, because we loved that lifestyle, work hard for four months and then do whatever you love and travel for eight months. And we were like, you know what? If we do that for 10 years, 10 years together, we can save, say, $35,000 to $40,000 in that vintage and get our tax back because we, uh, you know, weren't hitting the threshold. Threshold, right? Yeah. Um, because we were only working a short period of time in the year. Then we could save that money, the tax money that we would get back in July, which was, you know, between us was like $10,000. We do that for 10 years and save up $100,000. We've traveled the world for 10 years. We have a little bit to invest. And, um, and, you know, just had a great life. That, that was a worst case scenario. That, that was a like worst case for us. And, and we, everything that happened after that was just a, it was an, uh, an effect of um, being able to have that time to focus on what we love to do. Because the eight months every day, we were taking photos and editing and traveling and then sharing our story and then taking videos of ourselves, talking about what we were doing. And, we did that every day pretty much in those eight months and it just uh, it accelerated everything so quick. And then we had no idea that two years later it would, you know, we'd be making a really good living out of it, living our dream together and and doing what we're doing now. There's there's no way we thought that was gonna happen. But um, yeah. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode. It's Simon here. Just a quick intermission to remind you that my book, The Proof is in the Plants, is now available. In this book, I cover common myths about plant-based diets, evidence showing the potential health benefits that are up for grabs, the positive impact eating plant foods has on the planet, and much more. To order your copy, head to plantproof.com forward slash book. Plantproof.com forward slash book. Okay, let's get back into it. When you were you know, planning these trips, the eight months that you'd, mm-hmm. you'd have to explore, jump from place to place, at that stage, particularly that first sort of vintage mm. that you did, did you did you have a an idea that you would be trying to build a community online and that there was there was some really strong potential with the ability to provide a message that people would connect with? We're both quite creative and Jake is definitely a dreamer. And just quickly, our Instagram was originally my Instagram account. 
um, when I met Jake, I had 200 followers. It was a private account. And then when we started traveling a few months later, I said, why not just putting it together? Because we're posting the same photos on two accounts. Um, we just name it instead of Marie Faye. And then I think yours was called Snow Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, we call it Marie Faye and Jake Snow. And then everyone can just see it on one on one account and at that time yeah we were we were dreaming about ideas jake had this app idea and then we had an idea to rent out our van and then buy more vans because we had a van during our vintage time we had all those ideas Um, we wanted to make a work and travel agency so those ideas came up and during the time of work we would always discuss what makes sense and what not and that's how it all started i think we always thought if we have a platform where we can share things and grow an audience we can use it somehow marie being from germany and me being from australia it was very obvious to us that if we were going to be location independent we needed to be online somehow and then um, we realized early on when we were posting photos and sharing a bit of a message as well we weren't just posting photos and saying here's us on the beach in costa rica we were talking about our experience and about how we felt together and what we were doing And we quickly realized that a lot of people were finding value in that and they were being inspired. And then so we really just started doubling down on the value. We were if if people can see this post and smile or be happy, like it it just makes their day a bit better. That's that's what we were focused on. That's that's all we needed. And then we were getting messages from people saying, Oh my God, I met a guy in Asia and I (laughs) we fell in love, but then we, you know, we went different ways and I I I regret it every day thinking what could have been, but now you're inspiring me to make contact again and go back. Those messages for us were like gold. It was it, it made us feel so good. And in the beginning, that's what it was all about. It was just like, you know, that getting that feeling of knowing that we're helping people. And then also, yeah, being able to share a bit of, because uh, we were both plant-based from the beginning before Instagram, share a bit about our diet because we knew that could you know, change people's lives drastically if they were, you know, if mm. they were taking in some of the information we we're giving them. And um, and then that's how it all began. We we never did brand deals. We got so many offers in the beginning from, you know, 20,000 followers up to 150,000 followers. So many brand deals and offers from people saying, hey, we'll pay you this to promote this watch or go on this trip. And all you have to do is post 10 photos, you know. And for us, we're like, that's it's not what it is for us. We don't we don't want to make money from this. We it was a good setup because we had the money set from the winery. We, exactly. So we weren't they desperate. didn't feel the pressure. We weren't desperate. That's that's mm. that's the key for us. When when anyone asks us advice about, you know, where do I start? It's like, you know, have some money in the bank so you're not desperate to take take all of those jobs that maybe aren't on brand. Because that, that's the most important thing. If you're gonna be promoting something, it needs to be completely seamless and on brand and something that you would be using yourself and so we we were we had some money saved up so we were never desperate to take those kind of jobs and i think a lot of people really appreciated the authenticity and the the genuineness of our message because there was there was no ulterior motive yeah yeah and i and you know we've we spoke about this last night but social media sort of goes in waves Mm -hmm. and you know very much you know in the last three years particularly you know, the users on, on social media now, they want that on authenticity. Mm-hmm. They need to see the rawness. They need to actually connect with people. And that style of content stands out mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a market that is, you know, very saturated with brand deals and, and, and people not necessarily 
always aligning themselves or speaking their truth. So, you know, no doubt jumping in when you want to build a community, jumping in with the notion of, I'm just going to add value. Add value at all costs as the priority is obviously a a huge contributor to the growth that you guys have seen in in your community. Being patient and not having the instant gratification, that's the key. And I feel like a lot of people don't, like they can't imagine to work for two years. That's what we did. We worked for our current one and a half years, two years, and didn't get anything out of it just for passion and fun. And people were actually asking us, why are you building this Instagram? What's mm-hmm. the value? Why are you doing this? There's never an end goal for us. We, we would have kept doing it for 10 years if that's what it took, you know, just to keep growing it and then keep working at the winery and just having a good life. And if it took 10 years to build, we would have done it. If it took 20, we would have done it. Um, it happened a lot quicker than we expected, I think, just because it was, yeah. The, our uh, everything that we were doing was very sincere and 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 very yeah organic organic yeah I mean you if you're sort of heading into something and the intent always about what can you extract out of it mm-hmm. it it takes away from this rawness that we're talking mm-hmm. about and a lot of the listeners who have been on Instagram quite a lot and especially last year they might have noticed that there's a lot of giveaways and like Maldive holiday giveaways and there was a, a period of time when these giveaways were all over Instagram and these accounts were growing so fast because they were doing a giveaway a week. And what you needed to do was follow this account and follow um, 30 other accounts to go in the draw to win a Maldives one-week holiday. And so it was, it was if you enter this, you know, you're going to maybe make 10,000 followers overnight. And we were tempted by that many a times. And a lot of people said, it's dog eat dog, you know, like everyone's growing from this. It's a thing to do. You got to do it. And Marie and I just thought, you know, we don't want people following us that that aren't connected to our story, that don't know who we are, that only followed us because they have a chance to win a trip. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly what uh, after those competitions right all of those followers they're not engaged with who you guys are no. and they're not there for the story yeah no and that's what we saw we we were tempted because everyone else was growing so quick but then we said nah you know that's not our thing we don't want want people following us that are like that and then you know what happened to a lot of those people that did it is they they lost a lot of their engagement they stopped growing because they had all these followers that didn't care about what they were doing and then marie and i just sort of went and just you know, flew straight past for good reason there's no there's no magic pill or overnight no. thing that you can do to create a really tightly engaged community you have to just show up and add value yeah. every day mm-hmm. yeah unless you're on tiktok <laughs> yeah well we did speak about tiktok i'm looking forward to exploring tiktok <laughs> yeah post a few videos on there. might get a few mil views who knows yeah uh tiktok that's a curveball I have yeah. to I have to play around with that. <laughs> yeah, just have fun with it. That's what we're doing. Yeah, that, but with Instagram, especially, uh, it's a mature platform, and you do have to provide value every single day. And in life, in business, in everything, just giving value, stepping up every day is that's the most important thing. Yeah. You mentioned just before then that sort of as you or before you started your your Instagram profile and posting content, you, both of you had already been leading a plant-based lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So as I understand, Jake, you'd, you transitioned via a connection between animal agriculture and, and ocean degradation and, and the effect that animal agriculture was having on our ocean systems. That's right. Yeah. When I did my dive master um, back in 2015 in Honduras, 
um, we did a lot of theory throughout your dive master. And there was just one statistic, one fact that uh, I learned during that. And there was that beef farms were the number one cause of ocean dead zones. And then I, you know, that just blew me away. I thought, no way. Number one cause of ocean dead zones comes from beef, like not even oil spills or whatever. That's what I was thinking. And then I, I looked into it and I thought, wow, that is crazy. So you know, me eating beef directly, you know, is is killing the ocean. My favorite place. I'm I'm a dive master. I'm, I love free diving and being around the ocean. And if I'm eating beef, then you know that is in direct conflict with my beliefs. So that that was like a light bulb, light switch. But it still took about six months of me gradually feeling guiltier and guiltier whenever I'm you know had some food that I thought might be harming the environment especially the ocean until I got up to a point where um I was yeah every meal that I was having I was like is this the right thing to be doing and then yeah it's a a bit of a crazy story because I was at a party um speaking with a girl about her diet she was a pescatarian because I was so passionate about the ocean at this at this point I was talking about what she eats and she goes, yeah, well, I've cut out all of, you know, all other meats and I have fish five times a week now. And as a, I was a bit cocky and I sort of said, well, you know, now you've ramped up your fish intake. What about the ocean? So now, you know, yeah, you might be helping out here, but you're sort of taking away from there. And she said, I can't believe you're saying that. Like, you know, what are you doing? And she's like, she called you out. She called me out. She's like, <laughs> you could never go vegan. You could never do it. And I said, yes, yes, I could. She's like, no way, you couldn't do it. And then I said, I'm doing it. And then were the you trying to impress her? I was probably trying this to impress was her. Under your father's advice, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to impress her, probably. And I was, you know, maybe at that time a little bit overconfident. But then the next day I was like, I'm in. And so it was like an overnight change. And it it had been a build up up to that point. But then I didn't want to be the guy who was trying this thing but couldn't explain it because I did deep down, I knew that it was the right thing to do. And so I just dived into all of the good stuff. I read the China study and how not to die and watched all the documentaries and read all the articles and spent hours and hours of research. And every single thing that I read, I started to read, I just, I could not believe that I didn't know that stuff. I thought I'd found the secret to life. It was, it blew my mind. I was shouting it from the rooftops. Sure I was you were. posting articles on Facebook three times a day and getting in debates online and trying to force it down my family's throats. Just say, look, you know, everyone's so sick and this is the cure. Like, you know, we've, I found it. Like, I, how did no one know this? And that was me for six months. How was that received by your family and friends? Not well at all. <laughs> I actually guilt tripped <laughs> one of my mates into it because uh, was that Scotty? Scotty, yeah. oh Scotty, poor what? Scotty. Yeah, well, poor actually, Scotty. not poor Scotty. If he, did he did he change his? He diet? did change. That's yeah. the one uh, who has the vegan company now. Okay, he's got a vegan food truck and everything, which is amazing. But what happened was, I was speaking to him in private about it. He was saying, "Wow, it all makes sense. It it makes complete sense what you're saying," and he agreed with me on everything. And then I was with him in a front in front in front of a bunch of other friends and they were giving me crap about being vegan or trying the the, lads being lads lads being lads and scotty was there and he was laughing with them at me and then i called him out in front of all of them and i said scotty you are a coward i'm like you you've agreed with me yesterday on all of those points we had a serious conversation and now you've just flipped flicked the switch and you're back on their side because you're, you're worried about what they might think of you. I'm like, you're, you're a coward in front of all of them. 
And um, uh, this was in the gym and then we left and then he came up to me afterwards and he's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I feel so bad that I did that. And he's like, literally it was peer pressure. I don't even know why I was laughing or like, you know, making fun of you because it's, it's true. Like you, at least you're standing up for something and being different. And then he's like, I'm going to try, I'm going to do it too. Hmm. And that for me, that was like the best feeling in the world. You know, my, one of my really good mates and he's, he's going to be a best man at my wedding <laughs> at our wedding next year. Um, you know, and he's been plant-based ever since and, and made a business out of it. And that's, yeah. that's pretty beautiful that he was able to concede. Yeah. In, you know, yeah. in that moment, he, he, yeah. he, he, you know, he should have, he should have spoken up for, for what he yeah. believed, but didn't, but it's good to hear that he, he's come out the other side and took guts. Yeah. For him to, you know, sort of admit it has takes guts to do that. Yeah. And that he's a really good friend. And we, and we, even though we're traveling a lot, we don't see each other very often, still a very good friend of mine. And, and yeah, he's, he's all about it now. So it's, it's amazing. And that was just, the, that was the first steps. But with Marie, because I was very militant up until so, I met Marie. And and when you met Marie, were you still sort of no. shouting the, the militant? There was no way I, I was going to risk losing her. me away. Because <laughs> I wasn't at that. So it wasn't written on your forehead? No. No. no it, it, when I met Marie, in my, my mind straight away was like, there's no way I'm going to force this onto her. No, it, I didn't mean that much to me more than her. And so I, I was like, I'm going to let her decide, you know, I'm, whenever she would ask a question, I'd sort of, yeah. it wouldn't make a big deal out of it. Oh, why don't you eat that? Oh, you know, it's just, it's healthier. I, I, I feel better when I'm, when I'm doing it this way. Um, and I'm very happy. I was like that in the beginning because um, Marie being the person that she is, she was open-minded and, you know, when it all made sense and she did a bit of her own research, she was willing to to make the change as well, which, yeah, it's a credit to her. And that's why um, people say if Marie didn't go, you know, plant-based. That's what I was about to ask you. <laughs> would you still be together? And my answer to that is. Yeah. <laughs> of course. No, but my answer to that is it wouldn't have mattered whether Marie was plant-based or not. If she wasn't plant-based after a while, it would have meant that she wasn't open-minded enough to take in this, this, yeah. these, this information that was factual and it was true. And wouldn't have had the compassion to maybe consider other life forms on the environment. And you know, even though she loved me, she would she was still close-minded enough. That's what would have broke us up. Not that the fact that she wasn't plant-based, it's that she wouldn't take in that information herself. And so the fact that she was is yeah. it, it, that's why we work so well it's, together. You know, that that open-mindedness trait that flows into things outside of diet, you know, that that flows into all aspects of, of our lifestyle. Um, so Marie, you know, when you when you first met Jake and and saw the way that he was eating, what did you think? What did you think about this Australian guy? I was so in love that I didn't even. I think I, I was just trying to remember what you were eating, and I I don't even remember it. But that being said, we were in Thailand and Indonesia, and the food there is very different in general. So I didn't eat any meat there. I didn't know what kind of meat it was. They were cooking it on the streets. It just didn't look good to me so I started eating a lot of plant-based meals anyway and then a bit of fish which then for us it was easier and I, I never judged you for it at all and at that time I realized that yeah being in Bali was almost cool to be healthy to mm. work out so I, yeah I thought it was cool. and it's it's kind of like a, a plant-based mecca almost it is You've got yeah so much choice there 
it's hard not to have a good meal. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. it, you know, say barley aside, where have you guys enjoyed food the most, you know, across all your travels? Definitely barley. Mm-hmm. Barley for sure. Mexico. Mexico, yeah, Tulum. Uh, they had some amazing food there. Tulum's beautiful. Tra- oh, Indian. wow. Yes. So when we were going to Sri Lanka, Marie hated spicy food. She was she was so worried in going to Sri Lanka that she wouldn't like it. My mom never cooked with spices, so I grew up eating very dull food, no spices. Yeah, and going there, Marie's like, I don't know what I'm going to eat. This is, you know, this is going to be super hard. And then after the first, you know, plant-based coconut curry she was hooked and by the end of it she was like ordering it for every meal i love it so sri lanka was amazing but we just had to be very cautious that it was coconut milk that they were using and not um, dairy yeah sure but uh yeah it was uh there's a lot of places we just come from the maldives there's a place there called saniva fushi which is a resort and that has to be hands down the best place for food we have ever been and it's a lot of it is um cooked and, and grown on the island and they just have the, the best selection of fresh greens and different kinds of nuts and seeds and stuff that you it's really hard to find traveling but also you know we live in Kuala Lumpur it's it's a really good base and they have a lot of good food they have a lot of places where you can just make your own vegan bowls and that's what we always do for lunch and dinner pretty much yeah yeah KL where we live is also very good one of the best one of and our favorite things you. about it was that one of the reasons yep. that sort of motivated you to set up base there in KL. Yeah. It really helped. Yeah. We, when we went there, we um, tried some cafes and some food and we saw it, it still had the, a bit of an Asian vibe, but it, the comforts of like a first world city and some really nice restaurants with healthy food and things like that, which was very important to us. And when we're traveling, sometimes it gets very difficult to get all the nutrients that we know we need, especially after listening to your podcast for so yes. long. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk me through that. Like, you know, no doubt traveling in various places can be difficult. Sort of, how do you, how do you sort of navigate and, and make do with what you can? Worst case, we fast or we just eat vegetables and mm. fruit, just like that, plain. A meal that we have a lot is just rice with vegetables. If we can't have anything mm. else, that's, you always get that. But otherwise, we're always trying. We we use the app Happy Cow, which helps us a yeah. lot to find plant-based restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started to travel with chia seeds, flax seeds, nuts. Just buy it up front. If you're healthy, you just have a snack in between and then you wait until you get to a city where you can't eat something. Exactly, um, yeah. Some places are, are very difficult. And, you know, from the vegan side of things as well, traveling can be extremely difficult. You know, you go to Morocco and the tagines there. If there's a language barrier and you're trying to say, I love a vegetable tagine, you know, just with oil, no no butter, no nothing. And then it comes out and you just... You hope. You hope. Yeah, you hope. And then other places in Asia, you know, with uh, some fish sauce and oyster sauce and stuff like that, it's very hard to know what sort of in stuff you ask to have it not in there. But we we have realized since traveling and and being together that you ha- you can't be perfect and if you try to be perfect you and en- you're going to end up just stressing yourself out so much that the the benefits of the diet and benefits of living that way and your conscience and everything is, it starts to take a hit because you're trying to be so perfect and then it just stresses you out and in places it can be super hot and you've got your backpacks and you're hungry you're hangry and you've sp- 
traveling as a couple, the last thing you want is to be, you know, super stressed out about what's in something. So we, we try our absolute best, but we also have sort of made uh, a conscious choice to not be so strict on ourselves with that kind of stuff. And it's really helped, really helped with our travels. Yeah, and, getting- to, and to be okay with knowing that, you know, part and parcel of traveling the world, you know, backpacking and exploring is going to be having some simple meals. Yeah. from time to time yeah and that's okay right and and like you said and we spoke about yesterday using you know travel as a way to fast yeah yeah that was thanks to you yeah thanks to simon on this one because now on all flights marie doesn't all the time but i fast on every single flight now because i used to have a lot of issues with bloating getting cramps and you know in a lot of pain a lot of the time it was really bad and then you know after you were talking about Simon how you uh, fast on your flights even on really long flights I started doing that and I haven't experienced bloating ever since and just the the recovery on flights for us is is so much better when we just drink water and we don't eat and we're able to you know sort of turn around and get into our shoots and stuff like that a lot quicker by fasting. And we both have done a fast over 60 hours. I did it when I was very desperate with my skin and I I thought I could never do it Mm. because when I get hangry, you don't want to be around me. (laughs) And I was like, this is just going to go. But I didn't realize that the hunger stops at a certain point. It's a bit easier. Yeah, and you feel better. That was was a good experience. Yeah, and we've listened to um, some other podcasts. There's a, a scientist from Harvard who speaks very highly of fasting and and fasting in relation to longevity and clearing out toxins and, you know, um, resetting your microbiome and things like that. And it makes so much sense to us now that uh, we are constantly overfed and, and, you know, our our digestive systems are just working all day, um, you know, 16, 20 hours a day for some people by the time you get through your protein and your carbs then your fats and you know that we never knew that that would you know mm-hmm. it takes you know five to six hours sometimes and then you chuck on another meal and then your digestive system's just overworked and then your body doesn't have any time to um work on other important things yeah and so it's, it's something that we've added to our repertoire like intermittent fasting and not eating and having controlled periods of not eating where we know we're not going to starve we or, you know, a lot of, like my dad, for example, he's like, if I don't have breakfast, I'm conked out, don't have energy. Mm. Well, I mean, that's how we were brought up. Breakfast is the most, the, important. the most important meal of the day, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, just, I said to my dad literally the other day, where do you think dinner went last night? Did you go for a workout after dinner? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do you, were you, you know, putting a bit of work in after dinner because otherwise it's still there waiting to be used all that energy all that glucose that it's prepared for you still there didn't go anywhere yeah just makes a lot of sense once you sort of look into it and people like you and the guys that you talk to and everyone make it super clear that the science is telling us the science is is definitely telling us that it is okay to feel hungry Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, but the, the way that our society works of, you know, the three meals plus snacks per day, most people are never really hungry. Mm-hmm. And if you're hungry, you think it's a problem and you need to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's being hungry is quite normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, having periods of, of hunger um, and letting your digestive system cleanse and do housekeeping is, is a great thing. It just makes sense. Yeah. It's something that, I, I use fasting myself, not sort of re- religiously, but I use it through travel. And I also always use it 
if I just feel like I've eaten too much and, you know, when you just feel, you feel heavy at the end of the, yeah. some days as fast the next morning until I feel light again yeah. and then start eating. Um, and it's, it's a nice way to sort of regulate how your stomach feels and any bloating and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tool that you can use. Exactly. And that's, I think for us, we, Marie and I have always been into optimization. You know, how can we get the most out of ourselves and the most out of life. And so any new information that comes out, you know, any it, we're willing to give it a go and to try it out. And if the science is telling us that's the case, then we'll we'll have a crack at it. And also we we we're still not perfect with our workout routine. We don't exercise as much as we would like to. And therefore fasting and our diet really, really helps to just keep in shape to feel better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean we were speaking yesterday about you know, exercise is important for for body weight and yeah. and, and 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 you know muscle and, and stuff like that. But so much of you know one's body weight and, and being a healthy body weight is from food. Yeah, mm. you know, ninety odd percent is, is what you put into your mouth. Yeah, you know, three, four, five times a day. Mm. The craziest thing for for me, and it's the same for Marie, when I went vegan overnight. I didn't think I had weight to lose at that point. I was still a pretty lean guy. And I think I was weighing about 82 kilos or something. And in two weeks, I went from, uh, or you know, a month, say, I went from 82 down to 76. And I was working at the winery at this time too. So I was starting, you know, doing a lot of walking, a lot of moving. Went from 82 to 76 and just been 76 ever since. Not fluctuated from it. And I think this, the weight I am now is the weight that I'm naturally supposed How to be. How do you feel? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, just output is just five times more than it ever was before. Get up at morning in the morning every day comfortably and, you know, just get on with the day. I think right now the output that we're able to achieve, if, you know, we could get a little insight into that three or four years ago, we would have said, no way you could get all of that in running, you know, doing the Instagram and then all of the projects we've got going on the side. It's just, also, traveling can be very exhausting. Mm, yeah. But uh, even Marie, straight away after going plant-based, mm-hmm. trimmed a lot of weight off and she's been the same way ever since as well. So I think it is, it's, we all have a, a body weight that we're probably genetically supposed to have. And I think, you know, being whole plant-based will probably get you to that. If you want to ramp it up a bit, you can obviously eat a few more calories and things like that. But it has hands down been, apart from meeting each other, the, one of the best things that ever happened to us was finding this information and, and realizing how important health is and that we have control over that. We have absolute control. It, it's not down to your genetics. It's you're not running in your family, you know, diabetes and cancer and heart attacks, a, a small percentage, of course, but you have control over that. You can give yourself the best possible chance to not run into any of those diseases if you take control and you figure out what's going into your body. Mm. And it's amazing. And if it is running in families, often it's because the families are adopting the same lifestyle. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. You know, you know, what you're talking about there as well, about how, you know, eating a whole food plant-based diet naturally just helps you get to what your natural body weight is, is because it's it's high volume, it's it's low calorie density. And that's the great thing about the diet because the default is that if you want to, as you said, put on size, you can, but 
it's much better than the reverse of that, mm-hmm. where exactly. the default is stacking on the kilos and you have to work hard not to. Yeah. Certainly when we consider that being overweight and obesity is such a risk factor for you know, all of the top chronic diseases. Yeah. So, Marie, you mentioned your skin before, mm-hmm. and I know that you have spoken publicly about yeah. your skin and, and some of the challenges that you've had, yeah. and you've managed to to work through this and done a whole lot of research and a whole lot of experimentation yeah. and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe share share sort of how that's unfolded for you. First of all, I must say, being in front of the camera all the time and we do 20 stories a day, I feel very uncomfortable when my skin all of a sudden changed and I got really, really bad skin. Um, We're talking about like little pimples on my forehead, really hundreds all of a sudden. And I, growing up, I never had bad skin. But by saying that, I started taking my birth control pill when I was 14, which is not unusual for young girls because you either have bad skin or you have period cramps, and then the doctor just tells you, just go on the pill and you will be fine. And that's what happened to me. So I, I'd i been taking my birth control pill for over 10 years, never had issues with my skin because it really helps. So I always perfect skin, never struggled with it, never understood how girls were feeling that had skin issues because you personally feel much worse with it than anyone else who sees you. And um, I stopped taking it last August because I just didn't feel myself anymore. I was really emotional. I changed my pill because we were in Australia. I couldn't get my German one anymore. It was similar, but probably a bit different. And it just changed me. I didn't feel great. Anyway, I stopped taking the pill. And instantly, I don't know if it was placebo or anything, instantly I felt better. However, six weeks later, I started to become really bad skin. And I think Jake can also tell that that changed my mood at that time because being in front of the camera, it's just you see yourself, it's frustrating. You feeling like, come on, other people are so unhealthy. I'm eating plant-based. I only drink water. Why do I have to have bad skin now? And I kind of ignored it in the beginning because we had a very busy travel schedule. I didn't have time to see a doctor. I started researching a bit, but then it took me almost six months before I really, it it went, I had times where it was worse and then times where it got better a bit, but not really ever went away. And you couldn't identify like, what's the trigger? No. And on top of it, I've had white dots on my back ever since I was 13 as well. No doctor ever could say me what it was or tell me what it was. I went to several skin doctors. They all said it must be a simple fungus. They gave me shampoos. They gave me creams. I probably, I I tried. I probably could have tried more, but it just didn't help. And because growing up in Germany or being in Germany, you may be in in front of other people in a bikini once a year for a week or two weeks. So I didn't really bother because no one ever saw my back. Anyway, I started looking into it more and more and realized I, yes, had to take some, maybe some medicine or some creams again, but a lot came from how my gut looked like and uh, what food I was putting into my body. And even though I was plant-based, I still had a lot of brain. For me, when I went over into um, a plant-based diet, I started eating a lot of vegan pizza, vegan pasta, bread with avocado, and that 
that kind of stuff. And then I realized grain is not good for your skin, especially when you're suffering from something like I had. And in the beginning, I thought it was just hormones. And once the hormones would get into balance again, it would be fine. But then I got my hormones tested, did all sorts of tests, got my blood tested. Everything looked like it was good, but my skin wasn't. And then I started to look into a candida diet and having candida in general, you have to have symptoms and you can tested. You can also, um, I've, I've read a few blocks, you can test it by spitting into a water glass and seeing whether that spit got, drops down or not. That's like a simple test you can do. But I've always struggled with my with my toenails as well. They were always, they always had a bit of fungus um, after playing basketball. And I thought, okay, it must be a, a strong kind of fungus, whatever. So I start, I, I told Jake, I was at a point where I tried everything, nothing worked. I said, okay, I'm going to eat as good as I can, which means a candida diet pretty much tells you, a plant-based candida diet is even harder, tells you not to have any grain, no sugar, which also is most fruits. Except so, for like berries and Berries, lemons, yeah. green apples, that kind of stuff. As many vegetables as you can eat, but then there were certain vegetables that were high starch, so it wasn't as good. So I was very limited. For the first week, I only ate a big bowl of vegetables and some muesli with berries and cinnamon powder in the morning and then something with vegetables for lunch and then a big i don't think you would have muesli at that point no it was just uh, what was it chia Uh, seeds buckwheat buckwheat yeah no muesli yeah that's right yeah that's right which and buckwheat's not actually grain exactly or millet i think it's called i had millet as well so i needed to find those things i didn't even know what it was and i did it for a week and my skin cleared up and I could not believe it. These white dots that Marie had had for 15 years went away, you know, after two weeks of changing the diet. Yeah. And I also had a skin cream, but I feel like because I was working from the inside and the outside, it really helped. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, that is, you know, somewhat more restrictive in terms of taking things out. Have you been able to add any things back in to sort of get the diversity back? The bad thing is as soon as you feel better, you're thinking, okay, now I can eat good. I'm bulletproof. And, yeah. <laughs> and on the blogs, they said you need to do it for three months. But because I felt much better after two weeks and I started having like a couple cheap meals and fried food, I realized, is what triggers my skin the most. As soon as I have French fries two days in a row, it pretty much came back. Not as bad, but it did come back. And then also stress-related, not having enough sleep, those things are also playing a bit big role. But then... So I was happy Then I started eating bad food, chocolate, french fries, two days later, end up with pimples again. And it took me a while until I realized what triggers it the most. And now after four or five months of eating much cleaner than before, much more vegetables and and just being aware of it, I have good control over it. I, I do have some cheat meals, but my food is much cleaner. I have way more veggies, greens. I look at what I eat way more than before, yeah. So you, you must get a lot of messages from from people in the community, Insane. right? That have because yeah. I mean you have sort of somewhat documented your your journey with it, and you've also created a, a sort of private Facebook yeah. group, right? It's actually a private Instagram group, Instagram. so you can add close friends, which took a long time because you have to add them manually. But I talked about it on my stories, and then I realized. We are a travel couple. Maybe not everyone wants to know about my skin issues every day. So then I reached out to my community or our community and I said, 
look, if you guys want to, I can put you in a separate group and just share what I eat, how I feel, what's working for me and what's not. And I think I had over four and a half thousand, five thousand girls in there, mostly girls, also some guys that just by saying that I need to post again. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I need to, but they were following along. They were seeing what I was eating, how I was feeling. I really put up some bad photos without any filters and, um, and really showed how it looked like. And it really helped them. Yeah. So the both of you from sort of different angles and and together are inspiring people that perhaps have heard of plant-based nutrition, you know, a couple of times, or perhaps it's the first time ever, inspiring them to think about a different way Mm -hmm. of consuming. How, How important is that message for you going forward in terms of creating change? Well, for us, the plant-based diet, the way we look at it is that it's literally saving people's lives. Literally, if, if you want to have a big impact on someone's life and they're eating a, a Western diet, a really unhealthy diet, and they can convert to a plant-based diet, that's potentially saving their life, especially in the long run. So we feel like the plant-based diet is the most effective way to really help people make them healthier, the most effective way to protect the environment and the most effective way to look after animals. There's, there's nothing else that has a, a greater impact on all of those things than the diet that we eat. So it will always be a huge part of what we do when we're traveling and, and what we do in the future. And it's probably something that we'll get into even more as we start to settle down. And, you know, if we have kids and things like that, that's when it, you know, food is just, it's every day for people. And the, the fact that we, no one really considers what's in food and what we're putting into our bodies is just crazy. And we were there too. We never looked at what was in things. And it's really crazy. And now, you know, the blanket's been pulled off for us. And we've, we've got so many messages from people just thanking us for opening their eyes to the possibilities of the, and the benefits of what a plant-based diet can do for them. There's so, nothing negative about it except no. Maybe in the beginning, the taste, but as soon as you realize that you can have delicious plant-based meals, you're not even missing the taste anymore. And you might be a bit gassy in the beginning. You need to chew a lot, but yeah, you, a lot of fiber. You're right. You stand to gain a lot more than you're, you're giving up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually in the plant-based community, this is, this is what we love about it, is that people who've found the plant-based diet and the, that way of living are so happy to share all of the information that they've got to help other people. Whereas in all other aspects of society, a lot of the time, if you've found information that's going to give you a competitive advantage, you keep it to yourself. In Instagram, if you've cracked the algorithm, you don't want to go around shouting that to everybody because then, you know, it, everybody's going to know it. And, and so for us, and we've realized this a long time ago, that sharing is caring and having success is it's only good if other people are able to share that with you. And the plant-based community is just incredible because everyone is so open and willing to share this information to help build a better world for everybody. And that's what we love about it. And, you know, we've never met any plant-based people who are negative or like, uh, you know, toxic kind of people. It's all people who are, you know, trying to better themselves and, and look after others. So, we will always be involved in in the, in this movement. It's encouraging to see, you know, we we've spoke about it. I think earlier today about you know just being optimistic that 
it feels like there is the potential for a large cultural shift right now, mm-hmm. um, particularly with how free information can now flow between people. Um, and historically, and, and and still no doubt today, ingrained into sort of our diet culture is this thirst for quick fixes. Mm-hmm. That you know, what's the ma- what's the magic pill that I can take or drug or um, you know quick seven day diet that I can do to lose weight and go back to my own my old lifestyle? Yeah, but it's encouraging because you know the messages you're getting. These are people who are now starting to think bigger to think environmental, to think animal welfare, to think about their long-term health. You know, unlike a quick fix, quite often the the biggest benefit that you'll get is the disease that you you will you won't get yeah. later on. And you'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never actually be able to quantify that. Um, on top of that, you glow like your skin is better, your body most likely will look better. So you will get benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'll get benefits along the way too. All the way through in every in every way, shape and form. Yeah, it's it I think it's one of those things where um you're doing something and uh, a lot of the time for the, the good of society, the good of the world, good of animals, good of yourself. And you you're not expecting these benefits to come, but you you get them uh, almost like karma. It's like for, for making a good decision, the right decision, and you know, you get good karma in return. We're so grateful for everything that's happened in our life in the last three years. We we could have never imagined it. And we're not super spiritual people, but we feel like, you know, making that choice and and being willing to help people and, and be more conscious of everything we're doing definitely plays a role in everything that's happened because we're just positive. We, we're always looking for a solution that is win, win, win for, in everything that we do. And I think that just, it's such a great foundation to have in life for everything and diet included yeah so talk to me about your travel right how do you how do you choose where you go next and and have any places that you've been to you know just really surprised you i think every year for new years we make a list of 10 to 20 things that we want to achieve the year after so 2020 now and it's how many books we want to read what people we want to meet what places we want to travel to so we already have a list of places we want to travel to beginning of the year and then we start planning we really pick both like our dream destinations Mm -hmm. and and that's what we would do and then we plan it we really envision ourselves doing everything and and from the beginning we've first we've could see ourselves living in a van traveling the east coast of australia and then six months later we were doing it and then we envisioned ourselves traveling the world and uh, going to these countries and then it happened and then you know we saw ourselves having a home somewhere and and then it happened in malaysia and most of the places we go to we go to because we want to go there it's very rare for us that we're going to a place for a job so it's all just adventure for us you know and we love experiencing new cultures new places it challenges us it helps us be more creative. Whenever you're going to a new place, um, the creative juices are just flowing. And so, yeah. One of the places that surprised me personally was the Philippines in 2017. We always wanted to go there because we saw those beautiful photos, blue water, many, many beautiful islands. But I was a bit scared to go there because people were saying, oh, it's dangerous, you can't go there. 
the government has made changes and, you know, people are dangerous. It just don't go. But we did it anyway and we arrived. And in fact, the Philippine people were some of the most friendliest, nicest people we've ever met. And we just had the best time. One thing we've met from, uh, we've learned from travel is that you, you, what you see on the news, on the media is pretty much 100% of the time far from the truth. We've been to places all around the world and people say, oh, is it dangerous? Not, and it's not at all. There's normal people, good people who are living in countries, some are a bit more impoverished and you might come up against some opportunist theft or something like that. But in general, 99.9% of people, no matter what country and around the world, are good people. And that's what we've learned from the beginning. Travel has just taught us so much about ourselves and about the world. And next year, we're already planning some new countries and then revisiting some favorites. And it'll be something that we're not going to stop. Traveling, it's like university in a way. And that's what we say to people that if you go, if you start traveling, you most likely learn more about yourself and more about who you want to become from traveling than you ever would in university because you're out of your bubble, you're out of your comfort zone, you're seeing different ways that people are living and you're starting to realize that, hey, maybe I could live this way or maybe I could live in this country or eat this different diet or try this new thing. And then your mind just opens up. Traveling can like unlock a closed mind. Hey friends, me again. Quick note to let you know, I have a brand new, completely complimentary two-week plant-based meal plan on my website. Inside contains delicious breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack recipes, along with a complete breakdown of the nutritional information for each. Whether you're looking to add one plant-based meal to your weekly regime or go full plant, I'm sure you will find this resource helpful. You can get your copy today at plantproof.com forward slash meal plan. That's plantproof.com forward slash meal plan. Okay, let's get back into it. What you're talking about here and, and the way that you guys work, very organized, you know, optimistic dreamer, a lot of people, and, and this is mindset, right? This is the mindset that you have. And, and a lot of people must ask, well, you know, where do I start? Mm-hmm. And clearly the start is that mindset, right? Where, how do you describe or, or what, do, what do you put that mindset down to? Like, is there, is there part of your upbringing that you think, you know, made you a dreamer and, and, and for you, Marie, made you very organized and, and both just doers? I feel like for traveling, the only thing you need to realize is if you have a bit of safe money and you have a, the opportunity to fly back home, that's all you need. You have your phone nowadays. You get SIM cards everywhere. So you're connected. You can Google everything if you have a question. And in, especially in Asia, if you start to travel in Asia, it's very easy. There are buses going everywhere. Everything is super organized. The people speak good English. It is really almost nothing can go wrong. Best case scenario is that you could travel overseas. You could learn so much. You could meet the love of your life and your entire life could change in that one trip. Worst case scenario is that you go traveling and you come back home and you return to what you were doing before. Marie and I, we say this all the time. What's the worst case? If you quit your job and then you go traveling and you want to become a digital nomad or you want to do something overseas and and give something a try, worst case scenario is you go back to what you're doing before. That's worst case. Best case is that you realize your dreams and you be, yeah. you know, and uh, for Jake being a dreamer, he's 
considering that as like quit your job and do it right away full time for me being a German for me, even if if you love your job and you still want to travel you can do it plan plan your holidays work more get your overtime and then do a yeah. four-week trip and, mm. and go back to you yeah. if you want it enough find a way yeah that works yeah. for your circumstances make it a priority yeah Marie and I we were extremely loved up in the beginning yeah. and neither of us cared about anything else apart from each other so for us it was like as long as we're together that's all that matters we could be on a, in, a, in a hammock on a beach and that's all we would need to be happy and so everything else just went out the window for us and we were super lucky because we found the love of our life and it showed us what was important and then it enabled us to have that mindset of like let's just give it a go because i've got you and nothing else matters but also in asia it feels like you don't need a lot you no. just need food and mm. I, I read a i read a quote um that you guys said it was when you find enjoyment in activities that don't cost any money you will notice a real difference in the amount that you can save yep yeah and that i i thought you know that there's so much truth in that. Yeah. You know, you elaborate on what that means to you. When we first met, we were still drinking and partying quite a bit. But the year after, the first year after the winery, we knew, okay, we wanted to save a bit of money to start up something. Didn't know what at that time. But we said, if we don't drink during that trip, we concentrate on our passions, which didn't cost a lot. Exploring, taking photos. Okay, we needed a camera, but exploring was for free the snorkeling was for free going to beaches hiking that was all for free mm-hmm. that just yeah. made it we started to really appreciate really sunsets good. you know everyone gets a free sunset i mean it depends where you live in the world but we really started to just enjoy the simple things and then we wouldn't blow money on the weekends by going out for dinner and you know treating ourselves with a bottle of wine or anything we would go and set up a rug on the top of a hill and watch the sunset, you know, with, you know, some hummus and carrots or something like that. And yeah, it, we, it enabled us. We, we started to realize what was important to us. And that at that time it was travel. So all of our money that we were saving from, you know, not going out, not paying for expensive things, not buying things we didn't need, first of all, gave us the money to travel, but also gave us the money to invest in equipment that got us kick-started like the camera gear and the drone and stuff like that which if we if we didn't invest in that kind of stuff we would have never been able to achieve what we've been able to achieve because we wouldn't have grown in our uh, occupation and our skills we kind of i think we edited it up we said that last year the, the first year when we went traveling and taking photos because we didn't party and we didn't drink at all we saved about eight thousand dollars that then was good money for our equipment and yeah started everything yeah i think something else that you perhaps haven't thought about but i can kind of see is that even you know when you were working at the at the vineyard you guys were having fun and you're finding happiness in the moment rather than just always the pursuit of happiness so yes you were buying camera gear and whatnot and were aspirational but that wasn't necessarily to get happiness later. Yeah. You you were already enjoying it, whether it was the sunset or or whatever you were doing, the hike and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And even the work, you know, it was all a part of the journey for us. And we've said to each other, if Instagram went away tomorrow and we had to go back to the winery, we would do it. And it, we would still enjoy it. And it would still be something that we could, you know, use as a foundation to then mm. try something else. 
we just really focused on our relationship. As long as we were together, that's that's all that mattered. And working at the same place, a, a lot, some relationships don't work like this, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people say, "How do you spend so much time together?" We plan for it. Everything we've done from the beginning of our relationship was so that we could spend more time together. And in our three and a half years, we've probably had the same amount of time as a ten-year relationship together. Because you know, a lot of people go to work and they go to different jobs so spend 10 hours apart every day and then you know three hours at home and then bedtime and then do it all over again we just always found a way to spend more time together and that was our motivation and that motivation was so strong that we were willing to do anything and then and as long as we were together we were happy yeah and that's and it's still for us now whenever we start to feel a bit stressed or down or whatever it's like we are here right now with you together you know i'm not i'm not sitting here having this podcast with you while marie's off doing something else because she's busy and she has to do it we get to do it together and when we're old and gray we always we can share all of these memories and say do you remember when this happened do you remember when that happened because we do it all together and that's that's really special and one more thing that's for free nowadays which i think is amazing is social media pretty much so you can start to find your passion whether it's food or you know taking photos like us or and cats then, or, or any, cats it can be anything you grow it just flat, because flat earth yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if that's your passion there's there's a niche and there's people who believe the same thing yeah. yeah and then you can you can start making t-shirts with cats on them and and try to sell them and you don't have to invest twenty thousand dollars in the beginning because you have an online following and that's amazing and if you spend time on that you can have hobbies that maybe make you some money later on yeah yeah i guess um you know people probably find it very interesting now in terms of how you're able to sustain the the travel and the the exploration Mm -hmm. you know potentially without going back to the to the (laughs) vineyard maybe you will go back but what have you sort of been able to put in place that allows you to continue this passion, continue spending so much time together, continue delivering such a positive message to the universe? What's allowed you to do that, you know, from a commercial point of view? I think it's a very a gray area for people on the outside when they're watching influencers and they think, how are you doing all of this? Like, where's the money coming from? I mean, and you said you're not doing the brand stuff or not really. Exactly. Not so so we, get, we get that question all the time. And for us and for a lot of other influencers and people in our situation, it's our own products. So from the beginning, we've been doing photography. I did it a bit before meeting Marie. And then we, got, we really started to get into it when we met four years ago to the point where we were doing it every day. And it's interesting because the first product that we ever sold online, e-commerce, um, digital products, was a combination of Marie and I coming together because we kept arguing about how we were editing our photos. Because Marie had a certain style, which was bright, vibrant, colorful. And my style was sort of like soft, earthy, landscape kind of editing style. And we came together at one point. And we're like, let's edit a bunch of photos together spend a few hours doing it, come to an agreement on, on the style and then save those settings and turn them into presets that then we would use on any photo. Neither of us could say anything after that because we both agreed on it. Those presets that we designed doing that ended up being our first product that we ever offered to our followers. So for two years, we made $0 from Instagram. We had 130,000 followers and we still hadn't made one cent. 
to be to be fair, a lot of our travels don't cost us as much, or we do collaborations with hotels or tourism boards or travel agencies. So so we get to travel, which is amazing, and then we show those places, so we don't have those costs. Yeah. But also making money through our own products, and we recently made our own video filters. Everyone who knows us knows we do a lot of stories every day. That's how everyone gets to know us. And for those stories, we made filters. Mm. And you have your own very, very unique style yeah. in those videos. It's very representative. So you've created a brand. That's, that, that was our main focus from the start. We thought, why, why promote other brands when we can build our own brand and, and genuinely promote things that we think are going to help people? And in the beginning, I was <laughs> Marie wanted to sell these presets for probably six to eight months before I agreed to it because I was like, I feel like it's, it's a bit it's a bit of a sellout. I, I wasn't comfortable explaining to people exactly why we edited that way, why we made that dial, you know, a little bit, you know, this way, why we turned that down, why we did this. I wasn't confident enough in it because it was still early days. But after, you know, two and a half years of doing it every day, finally got to a point where we'd been asked several times, you know, dozens of times people said, how do you edit? How do you edit? Can you teach me? Can you do this? We thought, let's just put it out there. If you think about a normal person, I mean, we do it every day for hours, but normal people, they just want to have a nice photo and they don't have time to edit their own photos. So it does give them value to just put on a filter. Absolutely. I mean, that's become your craft. It's it's the craft now and it's what we've done every day for four years. Now it, it gives us this passive income and a lot of people don't realize that digital products and e-commerce is still very foreign to a lot of people. Now, if, if you have a website and you have digital products on there or any products for that matter, you can make a passive income from the entire world. You know, people can find your products or what, what you're selling online if no matter where they live. So all of a sudden you open up to the world and that just allowed us the freedom to then continue to give as much value as possible because we we're making enough income to sustain our travel. So then we didn't have to promote brands. We didn't have to go away from our message. We had this income that allowed us to just continue talking about the things we really cared about. That's the key. It's the alignment. You got to get the product market fit, right? You, there's a lot of different digital products that can be created, but you created something that was aligned with who you, who you are, makes sense to the community, yeah. and it adds value to them at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we found straight away. I was nervous about doing it. And the day we we put our presets up and we made some tutorials to teach people how to use them, we were getting five-star reviews and everyone was saying, thank you so much for making these available and helping me make my photos look better. And then it just snowballed. People told their friends, how are you editing your photos? It looks so amazing. And so I'm using Marie and Jake's presets. And uh, we spend two or three hours a day on customer service. And if anyone has issues with it, Marie, especially, will be the first one on the emails, guiding people through and, you know, helping them. Because it's, it's not the most, it's not the easiest thing if you're not technologically um, inclined. But Marie will be there every day helping these people. And I think that that's really helped. Like we have a real community and we, we don't want to leave Hold people on. in the cold if they're struggling. So Yeah, it's not a quick cash grab. It's no, a, you know. And, and I know outside of, of that, you guys are sort of diving into some, some other projects, um, mm-hmm. the, the one in Bali, which may be slightly under wraps, but that's, that's very exciting. Very exciting. We haven't mm. talked about it. We haven't talked about it, but um, 
We, well, this is just a very sneak yeah, peek. That's something. Good because it's coming Stay up tuned. in a few yeah. days. Yeah. It's important with social media to diversify and, and get into projects that maybe can sustain after social media and, and outside of it. And we're always looking at ways we can be in synergy with what we really believe in and to make money as well, have an income. So in Bali, we found a beautiful little spot that has a turtle hatchery, some coral restoration, tree planting initiatives, very in line and synergized with the community, the local people. So very unexplored. Unexplored. We, we went there earlier this year and we absolutely loved it. So now we, we're investing a little bit into a project up there that it's going to be very Marie and Jake and provide some of our followers and people who know us and other people around the world accommodation to you know stay in a very beautiful place forward to to seeing that come to life (laughs) and visiting yes absolutely for sure it's going to be very exciting so the next five ten years perhaps you don't look that far forward maybe you do what can you see yourselves doing where can you see yourselves settling down will you settle down or will you continue to travel and and what would you like to have achieved in in that five or ten year period for us in the last year, everything has kind of changed that we, it's very hard for us to see ourselves in five to 10 years, but we still have our dreams. In the next three years, I think we're still seeing ourselves traveling quite a bit, influencing people online a lot in a positive way. But because we are from Australia and Germany, we always talked about where are we going to end up? Where do we want to have our home? And we both love the change of places so we will probably end up with a couple small places maybe in europe and asia or in australia just some bases around that can give us a bit of stability a little bit of security you know where we like to live but i never considered having kids all the way up until i met marie or being married or being married to be (laughs) really but i think that's something that Within a two or three year period, we might start looking into, and we've we've seen uh, some of our idols like Earthy Andy, Andrea, and her family with their kids, and how they travel and the way they live their life is so inspiring to us, and something we aspire to one day. I don't think it'll stop us from traveling. I think it'll just be another period of our lives and something amazing that we can share with our audience who are probably growing up with us at that time, and how we go through parenthood, and you know. Being able to travel and grow up, you know, raising kids on a plant-based diet and things like that. I think, I mean, that's a long way down the path, but it's it's something that, yeah, we're looking forward to one day. But for now, it's still hustle, hustle. Let's, you know, make the most of the opportunities we have now and then get into that stuff later. Yeah. But we always say, you know, never focus too far ahead. Just focus on what you're doing daily and, you know, some short-term goals and the rest will work itself out. We We've stuck by that in the last three years and it's just done us wonders. Beautifully put. Sun's going down here in Bondi mm-hmm. and we, uh, we're going to nick off to, to dinner. Oh, Coming yes. Where are we going? We're going to have some uh, vegan gnocchis, right? Oh. I am excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> we could talk for hours. We just keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we'll have to do another episode sometime. But, uh, Maybe somewhere else around the world. Yes. That'd sure. be amazing. You, you have to say, es war sehr gut. Es war? That means it was very good. It was very good. That's how much German I know. That's what, the extent of it. What about good night? Gute Nacht. Gute Nacht. Gute Nacht. Yeah. Gute Nacht. 
Dankeschön. <laughs> I really need to learn German too, Simon. Maybe we can do it together. That's a challenge. It is a challenge. 2020. I'm going to write that on our New Year's Eve. Okay. Every day. Yeah. Right. When, when we speak next time, we'll have a challenge and see if I can have hold a conversation in German with at Marie. Least, at, least, at least the introduction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Shake on. All right, guys. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing so openly. I really mean it with what I said about what you're doing with the community. You're, you're, you're not just, just traveling. You're doing it with some real purpose to, to make some real impact. So keep going. Um, I'm really enjoying watching your story unfold. And, and I'm sure that there's great things ahead for, for both of you in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah. Keep inspiring us as well. It, all the content that you create, we'll reshare it and we'll get it going through our community as well because it's game-changing. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. There we go. I hope that you enjoyed that episode, friends. We, we certainly covered some enormous territory and I think you, you will have certainly got a feel for who Marie and Jake really are and, and what their values and beliefs are. One thing that stuck out to me was Jake's story about his pet kangaroo and having shot the mother. Jake and I spoke about this a bit more off air and, and how crazy it is to think that as kids, we can be so disconnected and cut off from pain, suffering and harm. Things like that become normal, not because they are normal or acceptable, but because they're accepted by society and very much ingrained into our culture. And this is not too dissimilar to slavery. Many years ago, once upon a time, that was the norm. And, and speaking up about an issue such as slavery was seen as politically incorrect. Just as it is often seen as politically incorrect to talk about climate change today. Now we, we look back and wonder how we could ever let humans treat other humans like that. Thankfully, there's more and more people like Jake and Marie who are prepared to use their influence for the greater good of this world and, and talk about issues like animal welfare, like ocean conservation. And I just love the way that they go about it. They're super cool. They're not militant with their message by any means or pushy and instead just lead by example and provide endless encouragement. Definitely connect with Jake and Marie on Instagram at Marie Fay and Jake Snow. I'll put the link into the show notes along with a link to their website and video filters for all the creatives out there. Their, their filters are certainly rad. And, and keep an eye on their travels and, and, and Do Good Mondays. In fact, feel free to send them ideas for Do Good Mondays. I know they work really hard to read every message they get. And I'm sure they would love to hear from you with any ideas and, and also how you enjoyed this episode. All right, friends, we have made it to the end of this episode. So if you're still listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we do wind this one up, I just want to congratulate everyone. Incredible work to, to all of you that have been participating in the hashtag plantproof40 challenge. It's, it's awesome to, to see so many of you adding plant diversity into your diet. If you haven't checked out the challenge, find the Plant Proof 40 post on my Instagram feed and read the caption to, to learn more about the challenge, which is based around improving 
your gut health. And and as Dr. B, uh, a multiple previous episode guest, says, all health starts in the gut. With that said, friends, that's the end of today's episode. I'll see you next week.